Welcome to the Graceway Bible Church Podcast, a place to be immersed in teachings from God's Word. We hope you will be blessed by the Word of God as we discover together what our Heavenly Father wants us to understand. If you would like more information about our church, how to know Jesus as your Savior, or teachings from the Bible, visit our website, www.gracewaybc.org. Join us now as we dive into God's Word. The world is full of all kinds of models of leadership. Some good, some not so good. Have you ever had a boss like this? You know, in my, in my life, I've had some good bosses. Uh, I've had some ones that are not so good. I've had ones that I've learned from, that have encouraged me. I've, other, I've had others that were screamers and yellers. But the leader in where you work, in your home, in your ministry, really make a difference in your life. Think about as you've changed jobs as you've gone from a job with maybe a manager or a leader like this to a leader that was encouraging and caring. Or the flip side, you had a really good job with a really good leader that all of a sudden you ended up working at a place like this. Um, and I, um, I see here as we get into our study of Philemon, we're going to see Paul interacting uh, with Philemon and Paul really becomes a model or demonstrates a model of Christian leadership. So today we're going to look at three aspects of leadership. We're going to look at partnership, we're going to look at motivation, and we're going to look at empowerment. And we will see these through Paul's communication here in this letter. Now each of us in our lives are at some point of, on the balance of leadership. Sometimes we're leaders, sometimes we have people that lead. That could be ten times throughout the day, maybe if we're in middle management and we're going from left to right. So we have the opportunity to, um, to affect those that we lead. At the same time, we are affected by other leaders. And how we communicate and how we're communicated with has a huge impact on our value of self-worth. Right? This isn't really just about work. Think about at home. If you're married, you should know, or at least should know, how you communicate and treat your partner has a huge impact on the relationship. The same is true in ministry and the church. Right? How individuals lead has an impact on the ministries. Uh, now, Paul, uh, Paul gives instructions to Timothy and Titus about sort of what the leadership structure of the church should be, but I'm talking about the interpersonal um, interactions. I think for, for me, my role here at the church, along with Pastor Scott, is to lead, but I view myself as a partner in the ministry where we both serve a common goal. And I have the expectation that those that are in leadership in ministry have that same view, that they, yes, they are in a position of leadership, but they are there as a partner. But to be, to be clear, leaders at some time do need to assert their authority. Um, but knowing how and when to do that is what differentiates an acceptable leader from an exceptional leader. And we're going to see that today with Paul. So we're going to look at this very short book. At 335 words, it is the third shortest book in the Bible, but Paul uses his, all of those words to the fullest to model Christian leadership. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for gathering us to you today. We thank you for this example that you've given us in Paul. Paul has written so much in the New Testament. We follow so much of the teaching that he has provided through Jesus Christ. Father, but we are thankful for this one letter, this one interaction with Philemon, and we pray that um, as the words are shared, Father, that, um, that what you want us to learn just impact our lives in some way so that we can become the leaders uh, in your church that you desire. We pray this in Jesus' name. 
Amen. I think it's important when we start a new letter that we look at a bit of the history of the letter. So I'm not going to bore you too much. It's only going to take a few minutes. But I think it's important to sort of see where this letter fits into Paul's body of work. Uh, Paul is attributed with writing 13 letters in the New Testament. And typically they're divided into two groups. The letters that are to the churches and the letters that are to individuals. Now, there's some debate over Hebrews, but we're going to say that he didn't write that for today. Uh, so we're going to say we have 13 letters here. But there's another way to divide them, and that is how Paul, um, how Paul describes himself, how he introduces himself. So in nine letters, they're a little bit different organized here. Paul describes himself as an apostle. It's a way to sort of listen. Hey, I have some instruction to give you. I'm telling you who I am, and this is my role. When I worked with the youth, I used to ask them, how did the Ten Commandments begin? And they'd always begin with the first commandment. And I'd say, no, it actually begins with God telling Moses, I am the Lord your God who led you out of the land of Egypt. God is establishing his authority to be able to do that. So Paul here in these letters says, hey, I'm an apostle. I'm, I have the authority to share what I'm sharing. But in four of his letters, the four that are listed here on the bottom right, he gives thankfulness. He opens them in a very different way because the message he's trying to convey is different. So, but if we look at his four personal letters, those to Timothy, Titus, and Philemon, and Timothy and Titus, he addresses himself as an apostle because he's giving instruction for this is how the church is to function. But in Philemon, Philemon is very different. Philemon is the only letter of Paul's that is a personal letter. He is personally communicating with Philemon, and we will see this in how Paul refers to himself and how he refers to Philemon in this letter. So let's dig in. So as we start looking at the letter to Philemon, Paul writes, Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our, fellow, our beloved fellow worker, and Aphia, our sister, and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and the church in your house, grace to you and peace from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God always when I remember you in my prayers, because I hear of your love and of the faith that you have toward the Lord Jesus and for all the saints, and I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is, uh, that is in us for the sake of Jesus. See, Paul opens by describing, uh, I'm sorry, let me jump to verse 7, I'm sorry, I skipped this one. Uh, for I have derived much joy and comfort from your love, my brothers, because the hearts of the saints have re been refreshed through you. The first thing Paul does here is he describes a partnership that he has with Philemon, and we can see that in how Paul describes Philemon and Philemon's family. Look at what he does here. He describes Philemon as a fellow worker, a sister, a fellow soldier, and goes on to describe Philemon as a brother. What Paul is laying out here, he's laying out here a partnership. And Paul uses the word for partnership in verse 6. We're here, it's translated in our ESV, a sharing of your faith. But in the Greek, it is the word that Paul uses for partnership. This is a key way that Paul views the functioning of believers within the body. Right? He refers to believers all as part of the body of Christ. And how he addresses Philemon, he doesn't address Philemon as Paul being an apostle. He addresses Philemon as a brother. See, so God created us to be in partnerships. From the very beginning, God created us to not be alone. And I think even when Jesus sent out his disciples, he sent them out into twos as pairs to be partners. And I think the value for that was that they were able to encourage one another and fellowship together and maybe strategize together, relive the events of the day. Think about how you interact with the partners in your life, how you interact maybe with your spouse. You, guys, you discuss the events of the day that helps your relationship grow and sustains your relationship. 
Think about you and your coworker that sits in the, maybe sits in the cubicle next to you or the, the desk across from you. How do you interact and engage throughout the day? Right? We're designed in, in, to be partners and to be in relationships. I mean, think about the partnership of the church. church. Paul describes the church as a body, and he talked about each part needing to do its work. He mentions that every part needs each other to function correctly. And that's what a partnership is. It's coming together on, under a common purpose to accomplish a common goal. It's not about us as individuals. It's about the whole working together in humility. Now, I'm, I'm going to get to humility in a bit. Paul talked about something similar to this in 1 Corinthians. If you remember back to our study from a, uh, it was probably two years ago now, Paul was dealing with the visions within the church and how he was saying, some of the church are saying, I follow Peter, or I follow Apollos, or I follow Paul. But Paul says, really, it's not about anything. It's not about any of that. It's not about any of the individual. It's about the head overall. It's about Christ. Paul saw divisions taking place, and he wanted to make sure he set the record straight. And Paul is, I think, expressing that same view here with Philemon. Um, and, I th and I think, what a wonderful way for someone in authority to view themselves, not as a boss or a manager, but as a partner. Now, you know, Paul led Philemon to Christ. Paul, has, Paul is an apostle. He's met the risen Jesus. Uh, Paul is clearly more seasoned in his walk. And if anybody could have walked with their chest out saying, hey, I'm the boss, you need to do what, I'm sa what I say, I think it probably could have been Paul, but he doesn't. How does he refer to them? Brother, sister, our, bringing them together. And I, get, I think, how encouraging is it for us to hear that from, from people that lead, but more importantly, how much can we impact and encourage others when we refer to ourselves in them in such a way? But in a partnership, there needs to be a little bit of organization. Right? So if there's not some sort of organization within a partnership, things can go off the rails pretty quickly. When I worked in the factory in Philly, we lived right next door to the, we lived, yeah, I felt like I lived at the office. Uh, no, we, we, I worked right next, right next to the uh, Northeast corridor line. So it's six rail lines and all kinds of trains use it. And at one point, they were replacing the rails. So they had this giant machine, look something like this. It would lift up the rails, pull out the ties, put the new tie in, put everything down all in one step. This was very different from the olden days that the way they used to do it, where you would have two or three guys hammering the stakes in. But there would have to be one person in the back sort of coordinating and leading the team. Because imagine this guy here on the, it's, you know, it's on, on the right. Imagine if his head was a little too far forward and the other guy came swinging over the top. So there needed to be someone to sort of organize their partnership to get the work done the right way. But that's what Paul does here. Paul begins to organize the partnership he has with Philemon to motivate Philemon to action. So start, starting in verse 8, he says, Accordingly, though, I am bold enough in Christ to command you. So Paul's saying, listen, I have the authority to do this. I'm bold enough in Christ to command you to do what is required, yet for love's sake I prefer to appeal to you. I, Paul, an old man, now a prisoner also for Christ Jesus, I appeal to you for my child Onesimus, whose father I became in my imprisonment. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he is indeed useful to you and to me. I am sending him back to you, sending my very heart. I would have been glad to keep him with me in order that he might serve me on your behalf during my imprisonment for the gospel, but I prefer to do nothing without your consent, 
in order that your goodness might not be by compulsion, but by your own accord. For this purpose is why he has parted with you for a while, that you might have him back forever, no longer as a bondservant, but more than a bondservant, as a beloved brother, especially to me. But now, how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord? See, Paul is motivating Philemon to action in two ways. One way, he's, he's restraining his authority. So Paul here is exhibiting restraint. He says, although I am bold enough in Christ to command you to do this, I'm not going to. But for love's sake, I want to appeal to you. But then it gets me thinking, why? So if we're familiar with the letter, if we're familiar with what's going on, we know the end of, we, we kind of know Onesimus is coming in here. But I want to spend a minute to sort of say, okay, why is Paul appealing to Philemon? He says, I'm appealing to you for my child Onesimus whose father I became in my imprisonment. So now we're not talking about his biological father, of course. Paul has ministered to Philemon, right? He has, he has shared the gospel with him. He starts developing Philemon into a disciple. Now, obviously, there's a whole sermon series on that. That's not why we're here today. Uh, but Paul sees the change in Onesimus and is sending him back. But in Paul sending Onesimus back, Paul is committed to sacrifice. So what does Paul say here? He said, I'm sending him back to you but I'm sending my very heart. Paul is conveying that he has a relationship with Onesimus. He has made a personal connection with him. Onesimus has provided him with comfort, but Paul's saying, listen, I want to set that aside. I'm going to set aside my benefits. I'm going to send him back to you for your own benefit. But besides the emotional connection that Paul has with Philemon, I think, I'm sorry, with Onesimus, Onesimus, I think, is, is a personal help to Paul. He says, um, I would have been glad to keep him with me that in order he might be able to serve you on my behalf. I think in verse 14, Paul again appeals to Philemon. But I think we need to see for a minute what it is that he's appealing to him for. So here Paul starts to describe, okay, what's going on? What has Onesimus done? He says, for this reason perhaps is why he has parted with you for a while. So Onesimus was with Philemon, and now Onesimus has left Philemon, and he's with Paul. And verse 16 gives us the clue. Right? He says, so that, so that when he goes back, he may no longer be a bondservant, but more than a bondservant as a beloved brother. See, so Onesimus was a, as an indentured servant to Philemon, essentially a slave to Philemon, and he has run away. So now Paul has a decision to make. Right? He has this compounded problem of Onesimus, who now has committed this crime, who could stay and could serve Paul and be a benefit to Paul. Paul could keep him and protect him, but Paul says, no, I want to send him back, maybe to face some of the consequences, but really to go and to serve the Lord with Philemon. I think what Paul could have made the easy decision and say, hey, just stay with me, but he made the right decision. Which decision was about Paul and which decision was about Christ? I think the way partnerships, any partnership, succeed and grow is by humility in remembering who we serve. Paul demonstrates two types of humility here. I think there's a personal humility, the humility between Paul and Philemon. I mean, it really must have taken a tremendous amount of Christian character for Paul to set aside all his personal desires to go and serve, uh, to send uh, Onesimus to serve Philemon. But I think Paul also demonstrates humility to Christ. Paul, again, could have kept him, but he knew what was the, what was the best for the kingdom. He sent Onesimus back, not just, as, not just to be Philemon's physical servant and to face the consequences and maybe resume his role, but he sent him back to be a bondservant, a servant 
for Christ. And we see in how Paul has, uh, has introduced us to Philemon and how he's interacted with Philemon, he sees himself in them as all bondservants for Christ, all as brothers and sisters. And this is how Paul refers to Onesimus as well. He, Ines he elevates Onesimus into the same category and group as himself and Philemon. You know, sometimes when we're leading, we can lose focus on why we've been called for the role that we're in. When I was at the factory, I had a manager that reported to me, and he lost focus of why he was in the role that he was in. I had the opportunity to promote an individual who worked on the factory floor into a position where he earned like $2 an hour more. This was a great opportunity for him. He wanted to move from being the janitor to being the truck driver. I said, great, you're qualified. I'll give you the opportunity to do that. But this manager said no. He said because it would be inconvenient for him if he were to leave that position to move to the other. Like, no, you're missing the point of why you're in the role that you're in, right? He was more concerned about himself than about the greater good. You know, leading, obviously leading is a tremendous amount of what Paul, uh, what, leading is a tremendous amount of what Pastor Scott and I do. And the important part about being a leader is to plan for what happens in six months, a year, five years down the road. I mean, we just spent some time discussing about the vision for what's coming up in the fall. Some of these are ministries that we've had all along. Others are continuation. I'm sorry, some of these are, are new, like we talked about the, uh, the dinner for eight. Others are still on the planning stages. We have things that are in the pipeline that we're not ready to reveal yet because we're looking three, four steps ahead. But when we have ministries here at the church and we have um, individuals come forward with ideas or we have an idea for ministry and we seek out leaders, a huge thing that we do is empower the leaders in those ministries to excel. And this is exactly what Paul does with Philemon. Paul says to Philemon, so if you consider me a partner, welcome him to me, welcome him as you would welcome me. If he has done any wrong or owes you anything, charge it to me. I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand. I will pay it back, not to mention that you owe me your very self. I do wish, brother, that I may have some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Confident of your obedience, I write to you knowing that you will do even more than I ask. So he says, so if you consider me a partner. See, Paul has a vision for how Onesimus can benefit the kingdom. And he doesn't direct Philemon to take him back. He doesn't say, hey, take back Onesimus. This is how I want you to use, this is how I think he should be used. He says, so if you. So he's putting the decision at Philemon's feet. He's empowering Philemon to make the right decision, hopefully the decision that Paul wants him to make. So if you consider me a partner, welcome him as you would me. When you empower someone, when you empower someone to make a decision, you empower someone to, to, to work independently, you're displaying and exhibiting confidence in them. Too often, I think we kind of get caught up in the minutia. I knew when I, when I um, I've had that problem when I started out in my career, I was a micromanager. I was so concerned about making sure the stuff was done exactly the way that I wanted them to be done. But I came to realize that's not the point of being a leader. Being the point of being a leader is empowering others to make those decisions independently to all work towards the common goal. It displays confidence. What does Paul say in verse 21? Confident of your obedience, I write to you knowing that you will do even more than I ask. Not only is Paul confident that Philemon will do 
what he's asking, he's confident that he will do more. What a wonderful way for us to inter when we interact with somebody, when we're leading a ministry, to say, listen, hey, I'm confident not just in your ability to do what we're asking you to do, but I know that you're going to excel. How many times, I mean, think about times that people say, listen, hey, listen, Charlie, I know you're going to excel, just go, go at it. So how encouraging has that been to us when we hear it? And I think it's important that when we lead, that we encourage others with confidence and inspire them with confidence the same way. Paul continues on. He says, oh, and one more thing, prepare a guest room for me because I hope to be restored to you in answer to your prayers. I plan to stop by it sometime, so keep the light on. Uh, Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ, sends his greetings, and so do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, my fellow workers. Again, describing them as partners. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you in your spirit. See, Paul here has demonstrated a model for Christian leadership, something that we can apply in our work, in our hobbies, in our home, and in our church. He has taken a situation of a runaway slave and a thief, an individual that likely could have faced capital punishment, but turned it into an opportunity to serve the great kingdom. Paul was so connected to Onesimus, he evangelized to him, he taught him, he discipled him, he developed him to an individual that could serve not just himself and not just Philemon, but could serve the Lord. What an image of going and sending, sending Onesimus to serve. Paul modeled the type of partnership in ministry leadership, authority, but coming alongside, encouraging and motivating. Paul did this by demonstrating restraint in his authority. He could have just asserted himself, but he didn't. He knew the best way to encourage and to motivate Philemon was to show him that ministry is not about personal preference, right? but about commitment to the body. He could have kept Onesimus, but he sent him on. And I think lastly, Paul empowered Philemon to lead, to make the right decision at the right time, just the way that Paul was himself doing. So wherever you're leading, right, take a lesson from Paul here. It's not about us. It's not about going through the motions. And not, it's not just about doing tasks. Right? If it was all those things, Scripture says just doing those things is just dirty rags. But it's about partnering with those that support you, motivating them to serve the Lord through your actions of patience, confidence, sacrifice, and humility. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for drawing us to you. We thank you, Father, for giving us the opportunities ourselves to lead, Father. You want us to go and make disciples. Father, that is the commission. And making disciples is not just about sharing the gospel, though that is the first part, Father, but making disciples is about encouraging and empowering individuals to themselves lead and make disciples. So, Father, we pray that the words that have been spoken today, Paul's lesson through Philemon, and his message in his words to Philemon, have motivated us in some way to lead in a manner that grows individuals for the kingdom. And we pray this and ask this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for sharing in this message. We pray it will make a difference in your life. Please consider joining us for our Sunday morning and evening worship services. For location and more information, visit our website, 
www.gracewaybc.org and listen next time to learn more. May the God of peace richly bless you through his Son, Jesus Christ.